Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. Which you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome to the War Room. It's Friday, July the 31st, the year of our Lord 2020, episode 310 of War Room Pandemic starts here. Jack Maxey and Raheem Kassam here on Capitol Hill on America's News on the John Fredericks Radio Network. Later on on Newsmax TV and blown through the CCP's firewall, subtitled in Mandarin on G News and GTV. We're going in this hour through the Vatican to Israel, to China, to the border and El Paso. Lots to cover here this morning. Let's bring in Stephen K. Bannon. Steve. Yeah, we've already talked about uh, we had one of the top brains in the country talking about hydroxy, a doctor from uh, from Yale Medical School. Fifteen hundred people died yesterday. We had David Bonson on talking about the United States of the Federal Reserve, the Japanification of our country. Ten-year bond is under, what, 50 basis points. The uh, dollar is as uh, is, is weak as it's ever been. Uh, nobody has any earthly idea how we work our way through this economic inferno. Every day we're trying to feel our way through it. Now's the time for you to start to think about precious metals, particularly gold in your portfolio. If you want to talk about gold, you've got to talk to the guys at Birch Gold. Go to Bannon, text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, 474747 today. They've got a 20-page report you've got to read. Now is the time. In a time of uncertainty and turbulence, in a fourth turning, you need to look at and consider putting precious metals in your investment portfolio, whether it's an IRA, 401k, or actually the direct ownership. The guys at Birch Gold are the team that you need to work with. Raheem, uh, I got to tell you, th- this show, I'm so proud of it that every day we, start, we try to talk about tomorrow's news today and to look over the horizon of what's going on, because this is not just a war with the Chinese Communist Party. It's now it's a war with this pandemic. And you see it's t- t- uh, triggered tremendous social unrest by the cultural Marxist that uh, that work in conjunction with the people that want to bring disorder and chaos not just to the United States, but to the world. I want to bring on now Liz Yor. Uh, she's a uh, very famous, uh, not just a writer who's, uh, whose writings have been way ahead of the, uh, the curve, but she's also a pro- former prosecutor and someone that knows about human trafficking. She's made this her, her, life's, uh, her life's calling. She's done incredible work, incredible work, being so far ahead of where the news is on this issue of the Chinese Communist Party and particularly the Vatican. There was a story the other day, Liz, I want to get your thoughts on it, that now proves that everything you've been saying and Miles Groh has been saying about the Vatican, the, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, has been caught hacking into the Vatican to find out, uh, I guess it's financial records, maybe issues with, uh, with uh, these priests uh, and pedophilia, all the records in the Vatican. Tell us about what the New York Times 
and world media has been reporting about what the Chinese Communist Party, about what the uh, state security, PLA, and its intelligence apparatus have been targeting the Vatican. Sure, Steve. What uh, the New York Times reported was that a U.S. cybersecurity firm uncovered that a big hacker group called the Red Delta, which is linked to the CCP, um, was hacking into the Vatican system as well as into Hong Kong, the Catholic mission in Hong Kong. Yesterday, uh, they released the underlying report of the uh, behind the cybersecurity breach. And interestingly, and this is my theory, I, I think the CCP has the Vatican locked down. In my opinion, China has no better ally than the Francis Vatican. What they may have been doing is trying to buy some insurance policy with the Vatican to ensure that the upcoming agreement, which is supposedly going to be renewed um, in September of 2020, will be favorable to the Chinese. But Steve, what I uncovered in this report is just, in my mind, groundbreaking. Number one, the real threat to the CCP and to these hackers is what's going on in Hong Kong. Now, keep in mind, this was done in May, the cyber intrusion. Um, this is when everything was breaking in, this, in Hong Kong with the new security law. We know that the Hong Kong Catholic mission is not on the same page under Cardinal Zen as the Vatican is. So I think that the CCP were clearly trying to read the tea leaves of wh what position they were going to take in Hong Kong. Additionally, what was also hacked, and your international viewers will understand this because they've heard from this show, is the India airport as well as India law enforcement. Um, I think these hackers um, were trying to find out, gather information about this incipient battle that is going on on the India-China border. And as a result, I think that's the story that isn't being told um, from the New York Times headlines. So this really begs the question, all right, the Vatican has been hacked by the CCP. There is a huge increase in um, abuse, pro uh, persecutions. They're destroying all Catholic churches. They're using COVID as an excuse to bash indoors of private citizens who are holding prayer groups and destroy all religious icons. Why, in God's name, would the Vatican renew a secret agreement in September with a, a bad actor like the CCP? So I think this is, we've got to continue to watch this report. Um, I don't know who paid this American cybersecurity firm to give this report, but to me, it's a warning to all of America and to the world that the CCP is actively intruding in all of our lives, gathering important intelligence, whether it's for diplomatic reasons, whether it's for health reasons, um, political or military reasons. So it's a wake up call yet again, you, this show has brought time and time again the, the information that the CCP is a dangerous hacking operation. And um, this just proves it. And the, the Vatican is not off, um, uh, not off the charts. They're going to uh, hack into religious organizations as well. We know, listen, we know that the, the Chinese Communist Party, they understand to take down not just the Judeo-Christian West, but also India, our other allies in Japan, 
they have to go against the spiritual beliefs of these people. They have to break your will by destroying your, your spiritual yearnings, whether you're a Tibetan Buddhist, whether you're a Muslim in, in Western China, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Catholic, all of it. So they've targeted, obviously, the Vatican. But the Vatican seems to me what's so stunning, given all the evidence, Liz, is that you know ever since they signed the secret treaty a couple of years ago, that through your help, we were able to talk about from the Vatican. I gave that broadcast during the uh, during the uh, sexual um, the, the sexual uh, harassment in the, in the uh, you know the pedophilia conference they had. This to me was as big a news as that that they would actually allow the Chinese Communist Party to be in the business of selecting bishops, but they wouldn't let local uh, local uh, parishioners have any say so at all about how the how the church was going to be governed, given the fact that administratively, at least, it was out of control. Given that the Chinese Communist Party has cracked down on all religions even harder in, in, in Hong Kong and in mainland China, on Falun Gong, on the underground house Christians, but particularly the Catholic Church, how can it possibly be, now that we know that, they, that the CCP hacked them to get all the inside information, how can it possibly be that the Vatican still considering extending the deal in September, but as importantly, to keep it secret? I mean, how can this possibly be? I think this is what you've got to help explain or at least contextualize for our viewers. Well, I think um, the CCP understands that the Catholic Church is the great obstacle to communism. And all religious freedom organizations have said, Steve, and I've studied the Mao uh, Cultural Revolu Revolution, this persecution going on now under President Xi is worse than the Mao Cultural Revolution and the persecution and destruction of religion. And so the world has to speak in one voice um, against renewing this deal. Um, my fear and my prediction is that this fall, we're going to see the Vatican not only renew this agreement, but also to provide political, moral, and scientific cover for what the CCP did in the China virus. And unless the rest of the world rises up all religions together and says this must stop, this has got to stop. I mean, because what they're doing is they're replacing pictures of all religious leaders in China with a picture of Mao on the, on the altar and pulpit and a picture of Xi Jinping. That's what we're dealing with. They are wiping out religion. And unless the world steps up and really puts pressure, all Catholics have to put pressure on the Vatican to stop this unholy alliance with the CCP, whether it's driven by a Marxist ideology, whether it's driven by financial benefit, um, I, or all of the above, this has got to stop because for the CCP to have the moral voice of the Vatican is a danger to the entire world. Liz, you've done an incredible job on this. Really want to thank you. We look forward to putting up more of your more of your stories as we go forward. But this is, to me, one of the most important stories about this uh, war against the uh, Chinese Communist Party, the cultural part of it. I want to thank you. How do people get more access? What's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is Elizabeth Yor. It's also at Parlor, and I'm uh, my website is Yor Y O R E Children dot com. Thanks, Liz. Really appreciate it. Um, Raheem, I want to go back to the you and Jack in the in the studio. We I want to talk about this. Uh, the other we had a great article in American Thinker that referred to our show as Radio Free China, 
And this is one of the reasons we try to focus on these issues. That what we mentioned about the uh, about this de- deal with the Vatican and uh, the CCP. Part of it, and the reason it's secret, there's no doubt that there is a path to diplomatic recognition of the Vatican, of the CCP, and to really throw under the bus the people of Taiwan. And I want to very specifically address the folks in Taiwan right now. You know, when 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 people say, "Oh, the Chinese are not ready to have de- uh, uh, democracy." They're not ready to have rule of law. They're not really ready to stand on their own. If the CCP goes away, this is what the world elites say. China will just evolve into chaos and anarchy and warlordism, and they won't be able to govern themselves. If you look at not just Hong Kong, the old Hong Kong, but particularly today's Taiwan, what you see in Taiwan is one of the most vibrant, robust nations in the world. And how do I point to the facts? The facts are about how they dealt with this CCP virus. They have been more than ever. They're the first ones to identify and go to the World Health Organization on the 31st of December of 2019 and say that there was a SARS-like outbreak in central China that had human-to-human transmission and community spread. If people had listened, if, 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 the w, if the Taiwan, the Republic of China in Taiwan, the free Chinese, had had standing at the WHO, all of this could have been avoided. Okay? This is because of the of the really the greatness of the people of Taiwan the free chinese that have sat there and shown how they've handled this uh, virus how they've handled how the, what they've done with uh, stopping community spread and human human transmission in Taiwan the limited number of deaths they've had they are a beacon to the world of what the chinese people can do when they have democracy and they have rule of law they have freedom of speech freedom of assembly and most importantly freedom of religion and i got to tell you the guys in the Vatican, the people in the Vatican that think they're going to cut this deal and recognize an atheistic, materialistic group of devils, which the CCP is, and throw under the bus the people in Hong Kong, the people in Taiwan, but particularly condemn to all time darkness the people of mainland China. They got another thing coming. We're going to fight this one tooth and nail. These guys in the Vatican, okay? are taking money from the Chinese Communist Party and they've never come out and refuted that. The reason they're not going to refute it, it's true. They're taking cash money from a totalitarian dictatorship yep. that is oppressing every religion and slave labor camps. It's absolutely obscene. Absolutely. Steve, we've got a break here. Um, when we come back, um, we have another guest for you guys. Kay Rubacek, director and co-producer of Finding Courage. Then we'll be joined by Mort Klein, the Zionist Organization of America, Chris Kobach, U.S. Senate candidate for Kansas, packed out hour here, war and pandemic, returns in just a moment. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Well, 2020 has been a gut punch to American businesses. And if you're going to succeed, you need every possible advantage. That's why smart companies run on NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. The sponsor of this show. Get your free guide right now at NetSuite.com slash Bannon. You're back in the war room, or should I say... Radio Free China, Jack Maxi, Raheem Kassam, and Stephen K. Bannon. Let's roll this clip for the audience, however, of Diane Feinstein, and then we'll talk about Radio Free China versus 
the Democratic Party of America. Let's roll it. Well, there clearly is a difference between the East Coast and the West Coast. Where I live, we'll we don't today. hold China <laughs> in the words of my predecessor speaking. Um, we hold China as a potential trading partner, as a, a country that has pulled millions of, tens of millions of people out of poverty in a short period of time, and as a country growing into a respectable nation among other nations. And I deeply believe that. I've been to China a number of times. Steve? That's the voice of a useful idiot. You know, Dianne Feinstein's got to know, and I guess her husband's business relationships with the Chinese is so deep that she looks the other way in the Chinese Communist Party. This is not about China. It's not about the Chinese people. That's a misdirection play. Here, you're hearing the voice of the useful idiots and running dogs of the Chinese Communist Party. Okay, this is not about uh, this is not about China being a trading partner. She should read the speech of Attorney General Barr. He said they're not here to trade; they're here to raid. And she should know that, being from California, what they've done in Silicon Valley. What she said is a disgrace. But, but uh, Raheem, you said it's Democrats. That's not true. Dan Coats, the hapless a director of national intelligence, a former Republican senator from Indiana, and a very nice gentleman. But let's be uh, let's let's be real. A halfwit, okay? A disaster at DNI in the Trump administration. One of the worst picks that President Trump made. He wrote a uh, he wrote an op-ed in the uh, in the Washington Post that completely takes the side of the CCP in Beijing. Right? He talks about oh we can't get into a cold war. Number one, we don't want it. Number two, we'd lose. He's absolutely incorrect. He has a complete misunderstanding of the Cold War. He says, oh, we won uh, against Russia militarily and diplomatically and culturally. No, it was economic and information warfare, brother coach. You got to go back and learn something, okay? We won there because of Reagan's defense budget. We did the analysis so the economy was only half the size that they were spending 50 cents on every dollar uh, on defense. We broke them on the big defense buildup because of cash money and then Star Wars. We broke the back of the economy of the Russians, and that's why the Soviet Union went away. So don't sit there and lecture us about a Cold War. This is not a Cold War. It's a hot war. It's a hot war on information and cyber. It's a hot war on economics. And hopefully, if we do our job and take down the CCP, which is all within our possibility to do, in a relatively short time, we will avoid a kinetic war, a kinetic war that will spread from the South China Sea to the borders of uh, Chinese, uh, uh, Chinese occupied Tibet up there with the brave, uh, the brave troops uh, under, uh, under Prime Minister Modi of, of India. And so you're starting to see this, this, this thing the other day, you're starting to see a concerted effort of the useful idiots, whether Diane Feinstein, uh, Senator Coates, yeah, the ambassador of, uh, to the United States from China came up with an op-ed at the exact same time. They're all saying, oh, can't we just all get along? No, we cannot get along. There's no getting along. The Chinese Communist Party has got to go. Okay, It's got to be brought down. It is a totalitarian dictatorship. It is oppressing the people of China. And now, because of the CCP virus, 
it's got 150,000 plus combat casualties in the United States of America. Guys, I wanna, I'd like to have your comments about the American Thinkers piece on, uh, on ourselves as Radio Free China. Well, yeah, I mean, Steve, very, very flattering from the American Thinker. You know, one, it was one of those sites that's been around for, for a while now that, that often comes up and reads between the lines and figures out what's going on here. And it's, it's particularly um, astute in terms of the observation of what you, of what you just said. It's the, it's, you're right. It's not just the Democrats. It's the, it's the useful idiots across the spectrum um, versus the people who recognize that, they, that we can't all get along. But, Steve, I want to ask you the question. All right, it's the, da- it's the Feinstein clip there. It's the Dan Coates op-ed. It's the other one that went hand-in-hand hand with it that you mentioned as well. It came out the same time talking about why can't we all just get along? We should just be able to do this, etc., etc. What does that say? about the CCP's position right now because it wasn't so long ago that they were they were rattling the cage over here saying you're going to lose we're going to win and now it's like hey you know maybe we just want a little uh, handshake and go back to the way things were steve is that, are they on the back foot now or are they anticipating being oh, they're, on the back they're, foot they're, 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 they're nervous they see across the board whether senator uh, lindsey graham putting in to strip their sovereign immunity, all the legislation we've got. They understand we're co- everybody is coming together. There's a unity. The reason the show's so powerful is we unite the deplorables of Lao Beijing, old hundred names. The CCP is nervous. That's where they've got all their useful idiots now in, in full, full bloom coming forward to kind of make their case and say, hey, we can just get along. we got to work together, all that. No, we're not going to work together. We're not going to work together. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to work to take down the CCP and to expose all the, as as, uh, Attorney General Barr said, collaborators and appeasers that have worked with them and dined off them for decades and decades and decades. They're a threat to their own people. They're a threat to free people throughout the world. If they don't think you're a threat to you, look at what they've done to the United States, over 150,000 combat casualties because of this CCP Virus. You heard it from Dr. Yan over the last couple of days. Remember, the CCP lied. Americans died. The CCP lied. Frenchmen died. CCP lied. Canadians died. CCP lied. And folks in China died. Tomorrow on our special, we're going to talk about the new federal state confronting the Chinese Communist Party on a global basis. We didn't get enough time to spend with them when they were doing the protest uh, this week when we opened up the conference. But we're going to get to some of the uh, participants Show some of the footage you didn't see, and on the Saturday show, we're really going to discuss how people that are expatriates, people that are defected out of China, are now standing up, uniting around the world to combat the Chinese Communist Party. Somebody's combating them, and another hero of this movement is Kay Rubichek. She's a director, writer, and director. She's got a new uh, film out, Finding Courage. Kay, talk to us about the film and how can people get access to it, and what drove you to uh, to make it. Um. What drove me to make it is that you see what's going on in China, you see what that's been going on for a long time. And we actually found a family who live in San Francisco and their story is just astounding, but it represents so many stories in China of people who have not been as fortunate as these, this family who are able to escape and actually speak out and tell their story. So the film's going to be released uh, well, with the film industry, it's just gone crazy this year because of the the, the pandemic, but it's going to be released soon. Uh, we're just working on a, the exact date for a national broadcast. So fingers crossed, we'll have a date very soon. Well, but it'll, it'll be well, soon. 
we're gonna put the we're gonna put the trailer up. It's an incredibly well made film. I see you've been to all these film festivals. Here's what I don't get. We reason we want to start your segment with Senator Diane Feinstein. Isn't she a San Francisco uh, <laughs> resident? Oh boy. She says, well, my point is, is how can she sit there and say all this? And your film takes residents of San Francisco that tell their story about this horrific oppression in China. How do people like Feinstein not see the reality of what your film shows and what the noble and brave Chinese people go through every day? I think how how you said the useful idiots that's that's just the the ploy that the communists and and, and Marxists have just used for so long and but it's coming to the forefront now people are actually starting to recognize it and this is our, our family uh, in this movie they live in San Francisco so so much of this movie takes place there and half of it's still taking place in China right now and they have they have been up against these people for for so long to try and rescue their family, to try and just seek some freedom. And, you know, that's something that we really take for granted is is the freedom we have here. But when people coming here from China, it takes them a long time just to adjust to what's going on. And then they see these people, these Americans who are criticizing the freedom and it's, it's, it's hard for them to understand. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it can be really confusing for people when they, uh, they come out of China and they hear those types of comments like you just played and, and they're thinking, what, what's, what's going on? You know, because they've lived in China. They really know what's going on. They haven't just, it, it's not just about the money for them. It's, it's life and death. What do you help to achieve with this film? It's very moving. We're going to want, we're going to get real pushing back of you when you release. But what do you want to, what are you trying to achieve in this film? What are you trying to, what message are you trying to get out there to people throughout the world? I think essentially is people need to recognize the people of China as, as people and not the CCP. So inside China and outside China, we've been fooled to believe that China is the CCP. China cannot exist without the Chinese Communist Party. So many Chinese people have been brainwashed to believe that. And so many of us have been brainwashed to believe that. So that would be really one message that I would love to come through the movie is that people can actually see from a personal perspective, from the through the eyes of this family, what is hey, going on in hey China guys, and we, what is the regime really like. Steve, we've got 30 seconds here. Okay, thank you very much. We'll yeah, uh, how, Kay, how do the people get access to your website? How do they get access to your Twitter feed? Give it to us. We've got 30 seconds. FindingCourageMovie.com, SwoopFilms.com, S-W-O-O-P, Films.com. Thank you. All right, thank you so much. You're a real Kay. hero. We're going to push this film on. Everybody's got to see it. And Steve. Kay Rubacek. We'll be right Not back. Not a useful idiot. <laughs> we'll be right back with Mort Klein. Stephen K. Bannon, Jack Maxey, Raheem Kassam, War Room Pandemic returns in just a moment. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Well, in turbulent times, you're going to need every possible advantage and one of those is NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system and sponsor of 
this show, Warren Pandemic, otherwise known as Radio Free China. Smart companies run on NetSuite by Oracle. It gives you the visibility and control over your financials, your HR, your inventory, e-commerce, and more. So whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite lets you manage every penny with precision. So you can join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to make it happen for them. They've surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies they're using as America reopens for business. So get your free guide, seven actions businesses need to take now, and get your free product tour at netsuite.com slash Bannon. That's netsuite.com slash Bannon. Welcome back, Jack Maxi, Raheem Kassam. Over to Steve Bannon. Yeah, look, we're very proud of our coverage here of the pandemic since uh, since mid-January, but really talking about this kind of this global conflict between Marxism and cultural Marxism in the uh, Judeo-Christian West and our allies, this Alliance of Liberty, whether that's our allies in India, Japan, uh, the nations, the littoral nations around the South China Sea, you're starting to see it come together, Latin America, Africa. And it's uh, to me, it's uh, it's inspiring. And this is the great conflict you see yesterday we talked about it for a long time people said oh you know bannon doesn't know what he's talking about now you see where the chinese communist party signing a bioweapons deal with pakistan now they're sitting there now oh no we didn't mean it that's all that's all false but it's been reported pretty deeply you see what's happening in the eurasian landmass the chinese communist party with pakistan iran turkey russia and north korea are trying to consolidate power on the eurasian landmass this is the great uh, event of the first half of the 21st century, the key that picks the lock is the freedom of the Chinese people. And you see the useful idiots in the establishment. Remember, Donald Trump's president, because he was counter, he had a counter narrative to the managed decline by our elites, the party of Davos. And you see these clowns, the useful idiots and running dogs of the Chinese Communist Party, Senator Feinstein, uh, Dan Coats, uh, agreeing with the ambassador of China, his happy talk in the Washington Post. Okay, they're going to now put up a screen. Oh, we can all just get along. No, the answer is that cannot happen and it will not happen. There are too many people who are really woke to what the issue is. And the issue is the Chinese Communist Party and the unfinished work of the 20th century. And that is destroying root and branch communism, whether it's the cultural Marxism that's infecting this uh, Antifa and BLM movement or the hardcore version of it that's in China by General Secretary Xi and his henchmen. I want to turn now to, uh, by the way, I think it's very uh, symbolic and I really appreciate Kay Rubicek being on here. That's one of those young voices, a scrappy independent filmmaker that's standing up to the apparatus and telling the story to a family in San Francisco at the same time that Diane Feinstein is, uh, is out there, uh, you know, being a running dog for the Chinese Communist Party. She knows exactly what's going on and she's trying to confuse it. Remember, it's about the precise language, just like in hydroxychloroquine, we did started with the Yale professor, Rich. It's about precision. It's about data. It's about evidence, just like in the Chinese Communist Party. Now I want to bring on someone who's been a true hero and a, and a guy I've worked with for, for a long time, Mort Klein, the Zionist Organization of America, one of the great heroes, uh, pro-Israel, uh, and i got to tell you, a guy that takes heat and incoming all the time. But what was most surprising, what's happened over the last couple of weeks, Mort, I want to get to both sides of this story. Number one, you took tremendous heat from other Jewish leaders of some of these Jewish organizations and some of these organizations about Israel, about what you talked about, the cultural Marxism part of, uh, of the BLM movement 
uh, not talking about racism, but the cultural Marxism part uh, and the anti-Semitism that's incumbent in that and inherent in that. And then your outreach to Ice Cube and to really start a dialogue that people can kind of come together and, and to work these issues out. So let's go to the first part. What did you actually say about BLM that had so many of these Jewish leaders, this other, I think it's called the Club of Presidents, people really turned on you and they turned on you more pretty viciously? Well, really remarkable. I simply looked at the platform of Black Lives Matter, uh, not about their push for equal rights. We all support that, of course, but their platform is viciously anti-American and anti-Semitic. They want America to not only end all the police forces, they want America to destroy their military, to end capitalism. They want reparations to Libya and Iraq, can you believe it? They want to end the global war on terrorism. They want to, uh, uh, kids to choose their own gender and end the nuclear family. Uh, and when it comes to respect Israel, I wrote that they support uh, uh, not only cutting all aid to Israel, but they call Israel a state that's committing genocide against the Arabs which is ridiculous. There were 200,000 Arabs in Israel in 1948. Today, there are 2 million Arabs in Israel. It's reverse genocide. Uh, whoever's in charge of the genocide program should be fired. Uh, they call Israel an apartheid state, even though 15% of the parliament in Israel are Arabs, uh, and they support boycotting Israel. <laughs> so when I wrote all this out, uh, 16 members of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations and leading members, the major reform movement leaders, Rabbi Jacobs, uh, the major conservative Jewish movement, Rabbi Blumenthal, uh, Ken Bob, all the Jewish women's groups condemned me as a racist and demanded, many of them demanded I be thrown out of the Conference of Presidents, the umbrella group of all the Jewish groups. Can you imagine my simply saying, calling out the horrific anti-Semitic, anti-American pl uh, platform of Black Lives Matter? How does that make me a racist? I'm just the reporter. I'm only reporting how awful uh, uh, they are. And now we see more and more how, how true all that is. Uh, and that's why Alan Dershowitz himself came on television and said, this is a disgrace what these Jewish groups have said about ZOA and Mort Klein. I will defend Mort Klein politically and I will defend Mort Klein legally because he's right. Black Lives Matter is an anti-Semitic group. And by the way, this was echoed by Melanie Phillips, uh, uh, Caroline Glick, and many, many other prominent uh, thinkers and writers. Okay, Mort, Mort, hang on for one second. Did any of the Council of Presidents that condemned you, did any of them go and actually say that you got something wrong? Was there any debate about what you had put forward as being factually incorrect? No, it was all name-calling. They never responded to my, my, my essays were simply factual about what the platform says, detailing it specifically. All they did is call me a promoter of hate, a racist, and they said, I am tainting all of the Jewish leaders by my being in the umbrella group uh, because of what I've written. They've never addressed a single factual issue because of course they never could. Uh, uh, by the way, Black Lives Matter also endorses uh, Louis Farrakhan. Uh, and, and when it comes to violence, they say violence and nonviolence are both the same. They're both resistance. So they really promote violence. So no, the Jewish group simply called me names. And it's interesting, I've written a bunch of additional articles since then and these Jewish leaders have not said one word. And I filed a formal complaint within the Umbrella Group, the Conference of Presidents, demanding an apology and sanctions against all 16 of these Jewish leaders for their outrageous lies against me and the Zionist Organization of America. Okay, I just want to make sure. You're still in the Umbrella Group. You have not, <laughs> been, you have not been bounced off of the Council of Presidents? 
Oh, no. Zero is a charter member. We helped found it in 1956. I'm still a full-fledged dues-paying member of the Conference of Presidents. It would take 80% of the members to vote to uh, uh, throw ZOA or any organization out, and they haven't even moved in that direction. They realize it's ridiculous. They've embarrassed themselves. These Jewish leaders are simply uh, 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 they're so afraid of the violence of some of these Black Lives Matter people. They feel secure if they attack someone who attacks Black Lives Matter. It makes them feel that they're protecting their institutions and themselves uh, if Black Lives Matter sees that they are condemning somebody who criticizes Black Lives Matter. This is all out of fear and also an attempt to diminish me and uh, because of my political views are different from theirs. They're very left-wing politically. I am right of center and they would like my voice to not be listened to. So they thought by doing this, that they will marginalize me. But in fact, it hasn't happened. The opposite has happened. We've had tremendous support I, I, uh, erupting I, I, from this. I love you more, but I think people describe you as a little farther than right of center, but that's okay. <laughs> you, you were kindred spirit. Listen, I want to talk about your, your, your outreach to one of the smartest guys around, Ice Cube. Talk to us about that and how you tried to bridge this issue of the anti-Semitism and how you guys are working together on this. First of all, he told me to call him Cube. I said, should I call you Mr. Cube? He said, no, man, just Cube. So uh, I, I met his manager, who's a friend of yours, and uh, who's an ardent Zionist. He's, by the way, he's a white Jew. Uh, so here people are calling uh, Ice Cube an anti-Semite. His, his partner and top manager is a white Zionist Jew. <laughs> he had Ice Cube call me. Cube called me. We spoke for two hours. Two hours. In that conversation, he told me, and he wrote it out later publicly, he applauds Jabbar for calling out black anti-Semites. <laughs> he says, I hate anti-Semites. I'm not an anti-Semite. <laughs> He said, I'm allowed to tell you, uh, Steve, that Cube supports Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state. Anti-Semites don't say that, and he said that. He also expressed concern to me of the anti-Semitism of Farrakhan, uh, even though he, he likes the empowerment message of Farrakhan. <laughs> so there's no way at all in way that this man is an anti-Semite. Uh, he feels he's comfortable with Jews. He likes Jews. He love, loves Israel. <laughs> In fact, uh, uh, we're thinking of getting together and doing a lot more together on, on these issues. Um, he also Jeff said he's going gonna... to... Jeff, yeah, Jeff Quatness, his partner and his manager, is one of the smartest guys around, Harvard Law School guy, been a partner of Jeff's for, for many, many decades. Just a brilliant, brilliant guy. How are you guys, how are you and Cube going to take this forward? What can people anticipate of how you guys are going to try to drive this? I don't want to say things that are private conversations, but I will say he wants to more publicly make it clear that anti-Semitism is as horrible as anti-black racism. He wants to make it clear, I think, that the Farrakhan message uh, of anti-Semitism, hatred of Israel and Jews is wrong, even though another part of Farrakhan's message is a positive one. <laughs> and he wants, he says in interviews, he wants to make that clear in the future. He even wants to participate in ZOA events together. We've discussed that possibility. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> uh, but uh, I found to be as genuine as, 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 as anyone could be with me. And we really bonded because both of us, I said to him at the opening of our conversation, both of us have a similar background. We both grew up in poor black neighborhoods. I lived in black neighborhoods till I was 16, and so did he. So we bonded. And when I w went down to Mississippi and was registering black voters, 
I was put in prison for two hours. So we discussed our experiences in prison, how awful it was. Uh, so we really bonded on many levels. We've already said we want to meet each other's families. We want to come to each other's homes. Uh, it, it was the warmest two hours of a new friend that I've ever had in my life. He's a special guy. No, he's a very, he's a very special guy. And so is Jeff Quatnitz as part of the very special people. Mort, how do people get more access and find out more about the ZOA? It's, a, it's an organization I think everybody ought to, particularly people on the right, conservatives ought to get to know better. How do they get to you? How do they get to your Twitter feed? How do they get access to you? <laughs> Telling the truth is not a political position. So I consider myself a rational centrist. Telling the truth about the Arafat Abbas war against, the, against Israel in the West is truth. It's not a right-wing position. <laughs> people should go on our website, zoa.org, zoa.org. Uh, help us financially read what we put out. You'll learn more about the issues you and I are discussing. <laughs> and uh, I urge everyone to join ZOA. Make us stronger. We are promoting the truth of the Arab-Islamic war against Israel and the West. Virtually no other Jewish group is doing that. They're afraid. We are not afraid. Uh, and we also expose Islamic anti-Semitism, yeah. which unfortunately uh, we got a break. Uh, it is a serious issue. Steve, Mort, thanks. Mort Klein, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for joining us here this morning on War Room Pandemic on a dark Capitol Hill. Stormy weekend ahead. Producer Vish, Jack, Jack, Raheem Kassam, and Stephen K. Banner return in just a moment. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Banner. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. Here it's Friday, July the 31st, the year of our Lord, 2020. We've got a great special for you guys tomorrow as well, so make sure you're tuned in on Saturday morning um, for War Room Pandemic. I also want to say thank you to one of our regular Regular listeners, Vinny, who got me this excellent mug for my birthday. Best editor ever, it says. Jack, where are you taking us right now? I just wanted to go back to Diane Feinstein briefly, this whole idea of useful idiots or Navite or Quisling, however you want to call them. We have to remember that a few years ago, it was revealed that Diane Feinstein's personal driver was an operative for the CCP, mm. a spy for the PLA. And she played it off as if it was no big deal. Now, Mark Thyssen wrote about this two years ago. And what's very interesting, I'm going to pull a quote. He asked a CIA clandestine officer what he thought of it. And he said, if we had had this driver, we would have had the driver record on his phone all conversations that Feinstein would have had with passengers and phone calls in her car. If she left her phone, iPad, or laptop in the car while she went to meetings, social events, etc., we would have had the driver download every device. If the driver drove for her for 20 years, he would probably would have had access to her office and her homes. He said that, in short, we would have had an absolute field day. This would be one of the best assets an intelligence community could ever had. And during that entire period of time, or much of it, wow. she was the senior legislator on the Senate Intelligence Committee. Wow. No big deal, Diane. Just a country we want to get along with, right? Steve? She's a complete useful idiot. It's, it's a complete useful idiot and a total disgrace. Okay, I want to turn now to somebody that's not, that is a uh, is really a bulwark uh, for the uh, conservative movement and been at the cutting edge of getting our arms around this immigration issue in the United States. Chris Kobach running for Kansas. Chris, 
your name's coming up every day. You're taking incoming from uh, establishment Republicans. Walk us through that. I guess election day is on Tuesday. How do you think you stand out there and what's the current situation? Yeah, Steve, thanks. Uh, election day is in four days um, and we are taking incoming. Um, Mitch McConnell and his allies uh, established a dark money pack about three weeks ago, or they started sending the incoming about three weeks ago. They established it on July 1st and uh, it has been relentless. Uh, about four to five million dollars of really sleazy, negative, false attack ads against me. And then last week, uh, McConnell's team went ahead and came in with their open, their open pack, which is the Senate leadership plan. Uh, again, trying to build up my rhino opponent. Um, I have, I've been in through a lot of campaigns. I've never seen this much in a three-week period in Kansas. Uh, it's basically as much as you can possibly spend. There's not much else you can buy. But the amazing thing, Steve, the, the miraculous thing is we're still holding on to a narrow lead, um, a single-digit lead, uh, albeit, but still uh, the polls have a slightly ahead. So if we can hold on to the lead, uh, we can survive this withering attack. What, 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 is, what is their major bone they have to pick with you? What, what is the establishment Republicans? Why, when you mention Chris Kobach's name, they get lathered up? Is it, is it the policy <laughs> positions you have or the argument they're making that, that you're just unelectable in modern Kansas? Yeah, the, the unelectable argument is, is a complete sham. Uh, they have seen their own polling. We have multiple polls. Rasmussen, uh, a neutral polling organization, says I can win the general and I'm likely to win the general. Um, McLaughlin and Associates, the president's pollster, has me winning the general by about 10 percent, has the rhino winning about, by, about the same amount. So th that's just a, 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 a fig leaf. That's their, their excuse for what they're doing. The real reason is uh, they've got a conservative who's leading in the polls. They don't like my uh, staunch, staunch position on against illegal immigration. And of course, I also came out very publicly in favor of the president's moratorium before he made the moratorium on legal guest workers. This is the last time in the world we should be bringing in hundreds of thousands of people to come and compete with American workers when we've got so many millions still unemployed. So they don't like my position on, Ill on immigration. And they also know my record as you know being a very vocal and uh, unmovable uh, conservative. They're not going to be able to make me compromise or, or make me do what Mitch, Mitch McConnell, he wants a yes man. And we all know that. And, uh, you know, Steve, let's put this in historical context. Now, this isn't the first time they've tried to take out a conservative. Remember back in 2014, um, Chris McDaniel was going up against uh, Thad Cochran in Mississippi. They came in, they dumped a ton of bricks on McDaniel, took him out. 2016, uh, Kelly Ward was about to beat John McCain. Same thing. Mitch McConnell comes in. They bring in the, uh, the the bombers and they drop a ton of bombs on top of Kelly Ward, take her out. But in this case, in 2020, they're trying to do the same thing. It's it's a little bit different uh, because it's an open seat. And so far, they haven't taken me out. So we may be making history here. We may be able to hand Mitch McConnell his first loss when he tries to meddle in uh, in primaries, in Republican Senate primaries. How do people get access? You got four days to go. How do they get access to what you're doing over the weekend? How can they follow you? What's the social media connection? And what are you doing between now and election day? Yeah, they can get access uh, on chriskobach.com. That's K-R-I-S-K-O-B-A-C-H.com. And I encourage people to go there. If, if they want to chip in, 
please do so today because we will be placing our final media buys uh, later uh, this early this evening. Um, and so uh, it would be very helpful. What, that's one of the things that's been really uh, reassuring and uh, gratifying, Steve, is that ever since Mitch McConnell came in, conservatives from all over the country have been uh, have been chipping in whatever they can, whether it's twenty dollars or two hundred dollars uh, to help the campaign. So we are we are able to return the fire. We don't have as much ammo as uh, McConnell has, but we still are. We have enough to uh, maintain our lead. And if people want to uh, give us reinforcements, uh, it would be most welcome. Uh, we've been crisscrossing the state to your other question uh, in the last week. I think we've gone about fifteen hundred miles uh, just hitting every hamlet, every little town, every place we can can go so uh, we'll continue that through the end of the campaign um, but there's only four days to go one thing we're seeing though is the grassroots is not buying it the grassroots just doesn't yeah. buy the the ads are just so fantastic they're just so implausible the things that mitch mcconnell's saying steve you got 45 seconds there. chris thank you good luck see you over the weekend by the way one thing i want to mention from uh about the more client thing israel is being surrounded by iran pakistan others and trust me they're taking a lesson from their partner in the Chinese Communist Party. They understand the power of having a P3 or P4 lab. We're going to talk about it more on Monday. Tomorrow's special, the new federal state of China takes on the CCP on a global basis. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have protesters, we're going to have demonstrators that took on the CCP, plus Miles Guo. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Raheem, Jack. Thank you to Stephen K. Bannon, all of our guests, our production team here in the studio over in Denver and further afield. We're very grateful for everybody who takes part in this show, including you, the audience. Pandemic.warroom.org. Jack Maxey, Raheem Kassam signing out. Until tomorrow, see you then.